Hey, what's up? This is Grady Allen from Anxious, and you are listening to The New Scene. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The New Scene. I am your host, Keith, and we're back with another brand new episode. And I've got returning guest and legendary returning guest co-host, Simon Brody. Simon, welcome back to the show. Glad to be here. Simon, it's wonderful to have you back. You know, the people have been demanding that you come back to sit with me here once again and do the show, and I am delivering big time right now. Yes, you are. And I I will try to as well. We are going to get it done. And Simon, you're up to a lot these days, right? Uh, We've got the busy signal at the suicide hotline reissue. How about that, huh? Who knew? Who knew 25 years later? Definitely not us. That we'd still be talking about this record. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. Well, actually, I can believe it because it's a classic. It's a classic. It also has a song on it where I I predicted COVID, no big deal. Which one? Trouble Breathing. You're kidding me. No, I've got Talking Sickness, everybody's got it, and it's going around. And actually, that's about anxiety, so. If you think about it, Supermarket Riot could have also been a COVID prediction. Well, to tell you the truth, uh, that was part of the uh, reason that we came back. It's like 25 years ago, we predicted that the world would become a flaming ball of shit. And it's true. <laughs> here we are. Here we are. Well, look, here we are. And we've got a great, great show here. We've got Simon co-hosting with me. And our interview subject for this episode is Chris Loporto of Can't Swim. They caught my attention with their excellent 2023 LP, Thanks But No Thanks, But they've been going at it strong as a band since 2016, and you're going to hear all about it. That conversation is coming up shortly, but first, here's how you can support The New Scene. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at New Scene Pod. We've got shirts available at Deathwish Inc., long sleeve, short sleeve, you name it, we've got it. And reviews. Give us five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Also on Apple Podcasts, you can write a review. If you write a nice review, I'll read it on the air right here in this section of the show. Also, don't forget to support Iodine Recording. Simon, have you heard the news? Have you read about this? Have you heard about this? Drowning Man, Busy Signal at the Suicide Hotline is available now for pre-order. Can you believe it? I uh, haven't trouble getting my head around it, but yeah, I've heard the same thing. I've heard that uh, that is available. It is available, and you need to get it quick. Do it. Do it. And if you somehow have not heard this record by now, the excellent remaster is up there now on Spotify. It's a classic. Let's go. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. The new LP from Jerome's Dream, The Gray In Between, is up now for pre-order. And there's three new singles out there for you to listen to right now. Get on it. Great band. Oh, yeah. Classic, right? Yeah. I, I, iodine is really doing some great stuff lately. A ton of great stuff. Listen to what else is going on. Second pressing of Slip by Quicksand, available now for pre-order. I mean, look at the roster of bands we have here, Simon. Yourself in Drowning Man, Jerome's Dream, 
and quicksand. And I'm only halfway through this ad read right now. Uh, before you, I, I'm so happy that Iodine signed Horsewhip. We played with them last year at the Fest in Florida. They're great, a great, great band. Yeah, I'm happy to be in such great company. Horsewhip is awesome, and I'm looking forward to talking to them at some point in the future. I think you should. It's going to happen. Okay, Garrison are playing their first show in 10 years with the great Orange Island and Pilot to Gunner. That shows at the Middle East upstairs in Massachusetts, in Boston. That's in Boston, right? I'm going to try to be there. I love all those bands. Oh, you're going to go. Yeah. That's right. You live up that way. Uh, and Pilot to Gunner is uh, their Burlington Transplants. Oh, okay. That shows at the Middle East upstairs in Boston, Massachusetts on Friday, October 6th, 2023. Don't miss it. Make sure you sign up for the iodine email list. You'll find out about everything first. For more information, head to the iodine Instagram at iodine recordings or to the iodine website at iodinerecordings.com. And last but not least, Simon. Yes. Say hello. To our sponsor for this month of shows, Bridge Nine Records. Bridge Nine Records. Simon, what do you think of when you think of Bridge Nine Records? I think of driving down to uh, Boston and the actual Bridge Nine. Bridge Nine and Boston are synonymous with each other. Yeah, I mean, that, that they, they started around the time that Boston really established itself. I mean, a lot of great labels out of Boston and... Uh, they're definitely head and shoulders above most of them. Simon, did you know that you can get 15% off any Bridge Nine order with the code New Scene Pod? I'm not lying to you. 15% off at checkout if you enter the code New Scene Pod. What a bargain. I mean, shh, come on. Come on. Make sure you check out the record store at 282 Rand Tool Street in Beverly, Massachusetts. They've got one of a kind vinyl stuff you can get only in the store. And if you can't get to the store, you can place a nice big order online and get 15% off with the code NEWSCENEPOD. Do it. I mean, why not? And speaking of records, Bridge9 is offering an expanded 19-song LP version of United Blood by Agnostic Front. It's a record store day exclusive, so make sure you get out there and find it. It's limited to 3,000 copies on clear vinyl. For more information, head to bridge9.com. That's bridge, the number nine.com, or head to the Bridge Nine Instagram at bridge nine. That's bridge N I N E. Okay. So listen, check back in with me and Simon in segment three. We're going to discuss everything that's up with Drowning Man. They just had a recent performance at Decibel Metal and Beer Fest, and there's a lot more going on. We'll cover everything. But right now, we are going to speak to Chris. Loporto of Can't Swim. Enjoy. Wake yourself up. I'd listen back for hours. Disintegration by the cure. Lullaby on sickness sun. Soundtrack to my time on tour. We might jump to the Members come and members go. T 
forever All right, we are here now with Chris Loporto. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yes, Chris, it's wonderful to have you here. You know, we've been trying to get this done for a little while now, but, uh, you know, the band has experienced some hardships. You've experienced some hardships, and we're going to cover all of that. But Chris, first, let me ask you, how are you doing today? Today has been stressful, but I am good. Happy to be talking to you. Happy to have a working van. We had some van troubles, as you were mentioning. Uh, but yeah, everything's good, man. Excited to chat. Awesome. Uh, it's great to have you here, Chris. What um what happened to the van? You were in the middle of touring. What, did the van just crap out? Yep, yep. We were on a, a full U.S. tour with Free Throw in the last couple of days of the tour. The transmission went, and now I am in beautiful Connecticut getting it repaired. And yeah, it's all good. And it should be set to go for the next tour, which starts in California. Oh, wow. So do you have to drive all the way out to California to start the tour? You got it, my friend. A lot of fun. <laughs> oh, man. Well, <laughs> that would be stressful to me, especially considering uh, you just put in a new transmission. But hey, I guess we'll figure out if it works or not. That's right. Yeah, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> what happens when the van breaks down in the middle of a tour like that? How do you know who to call or where to go or what to do? It's always a shot in the dark. This time, our trusty friends in U-Haul saved the day and we put all the gear in another big box truck and made it to the last couple shows. But yeah, every band, I guess, goes about it differently. Um, like I said, this time, U-Haul saved the day. Thank you, U-Haul. <laughs> Saving bands since 19, well, something. That's right. <laughs> So you grew up in New Jersey? Uh, yeah, I was born in Brooklyn, New York, but I uh, grew up in New Jersey, yeah. Where, uh, how long, when did you move out to Jersey? When I was a young kid, and I, I grew up on the Jersey Shore, so we're talking like Red Bank, Asbury Park, that whole area. So talk about your relationship with music. Is it something you've always been interested in? Is it something you've always been interested in doing? Yeah, I mean, as a young kid, I think I was like 12 or 13, I started playing the drums because my Uncle Mike was uh, in hardcore and punk bands in the 90s, and I always found an interest in it. I never thought of myself as the singer or the songwriter, and, well, you know, 15 years of playing the drums, I started to sing and play guitar, and I started Can't Swim kind of as a goof, kind of as just a hobby, and now it's been going since 2016, so that's been the trajectory. So talk about, I'm interested in people's trajectory as far as punk and hardcore and whatever their thing is goes. How did you get into it? How did you discover it? So yeah, like I said, my Uncle Mike was kind of the first person that I really was close to that um, was into like, quote unquote, underground music. And he played in bands and I would, uh, you know, listen to his demos or go watch his band. And yeah, definitely ignited the fire of interest when I was a young kid. And then after that, when I started to kind of learn how to play drums, I got involved in the local New Jersey scene and started playing in bands. And it's uh, been uphill ever since, I'd like to think. Were you in bands before Can't Swim? Oh, yeah. Played in a bunch of local bands. I played drums in a band called Trash Talk for a number of years. Uh, always was trying to make a career out of music. And it's always a struggle. It's always a very difficult thing to do. But Can't Swim now has been 
certainly my job for a long time, certainly been a full-time endeavor. And yeah, very lucky, very blessed, very happy to be here. So Can Swim starts around 2016, yes? Yes, sir, yes. All right, so tell us about that time. Now, how do you go from playing drums to then playing guitar and, and singing in this band? So I was um, working at a local music store slash uh, lessons place, and I was around a lot of musicians. Uh, I was teaching drums to kids, but I was also like sneaking into other rooms and uh, learning how to play piano and guitar. And I started to get an interest in notes rather than just rhythms and kick and snare patterns. And I, um, I got myself a new MacBook computer that had logic on it. And I just started to play the game, just started to open up sessions after work and started to write down patterns and record myself singing and playing guitar. And that's how our first EP, Death Deserves a Name, came about. I just recorded and wrote the first five songs by myself to try to just, you know, challenge myself to be creative in a different way than I had before. And yeah, that was actually the last, uh, that was the very first um, release that we ever did. It was the first songs I ever wrote. So that's how it all began. So you recorded that whole first EP by yourself? Uh, I, re I tracked everything myself. I recorded all the instruments, but our guitar player now, Danny Rico, he's still in the band. He was behind the boards. He um, he actually recorded it and mixed it and mastered it. But the first EP is all of my hands and, and voice. <laughs> uh, but Danny certainly was the glue and, and made it all cohesive and produced the first EP. I love that because I don't know about you, but I had difficulty getting into bands and especially getting into bands that I felt really matched me and what I was trying to do. But the, the idea of just taking this thing by the reins and recording it by yourself, that's very appealing. Yeah, man. It was, um, like I said, I didn't really think much of it. I just wanted to challenge myself. But yeah, it was very, um, you know, taxing on me at the time. I didn't have much confidence in my voice. I didn't have much confidence in my writing and the lyrics and whatever. But uh, yeah, definitely jumped out on the plank there. And I'm very happy I did because now... It's given me the last seven years of my life. I've traveled the world. It's, uh, it's been quite, quite a blessing. So I'm happy I did it. So who are some of your influences? What are you into? I'm, I'm interested what uh, went into this initial EP. So the initial EP, a long time ago, I was, what, 26-year-old man. Um, you know, I definitely got to give credit to my Uncle Mike. Obviously, not only did he get me to play drums, but... He definitely opened my mind to punk bands, uh, Gorilla Biscuits, Minor Threat, Rancid, all that stuff from back then was probably the first thing that ignited really the the, uh, the flame of, of wanting to be a musician. But, you know, I, quite an eclectic mix of stuff throughout my life. I loved The Cure. I loved all like the 90s alternative stuff like The Lemonheads. And, yeah, I just, uh, I think I grew up in the era of streaming. You know, I was lucky enough to have so much music to my exposal. So yeah, I, no, nothing too specific. I don't think I was referencing anything um, too specific with the can swim stuff. I think I didn't have much of a, of a repertoire at that time. I didn't have much ability. So it was just kind of like whatever I could come up with. And that's what can swim was. And still to this day, that's what can swim is. So. How was the initial response to that first EP? I'm assuming you just put it up on streaming and YouTube everywhere and we'll see how it does. Well, no, lucky enough, man, uh, the game of telephone and the game of email, like I said, I recorded it, Danny and I, and I sent it to a few friends, and because I was involved in music beforehand, a lot of my friends were involved in bands and stuff, 
And we didn't play a show. I didn't have any of the members in the band. It was just something I was sending around. And Pure Noise Records, who is the record label that we are still with, uh, just basically called me on the phone and said, hey, I want to put this record out. And I said, who are you talking about? What record are you talking about? We're not even a band. <laughs> yeah, like I didn't even have... I didn't even own a guitar. I didn't own a van. I didn't even have the, the set members. And Jake from Pure Noise really uh, believed in the songs and believed in us. And I, uh, I called some of my best friends at the time and was like, hey, you want to do this band with me? We're going to get signed to this record label. And we didn't even play a show. Jake is still one of my best friends. We're still making music together. We're still business partners. And yeah, it was it was random phone call on a Tuesday afternoon. And I said, okay, let's do it. Let's Let's start this band together, and that's how we're still kind of doing it now. Pretty incredible that you get an offer from a record label before you even have a band, right? That's right. Yeah, we didn't even play a show. Pretty crazy. You must have really knocked it out of the park with that first release. I mean, I wouldn't say that, but I I definitely uh, took it as a a compliment. I definitely took it as, you know, a little bit of initiative to like, hey, I, I think we might have something here, and I think we should pursue it. And uh, I really owe so much to Jake. To be honest, I, I don't know if I ever would have went down to the nitty gritty and started playing local shows and kind of growing it. I think Jake really uh, put the gas in the tank. And I'm very, very thankful for all these years later that he called me on the phone. Once you get the offer from Pure Noise, was it pretty easy to put everything together? I guess you knew musicians and people that you would want to work with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Danny recorded it. So I called him and I was like, hey, man, you know that record that we did together you know i think we're gonna get a record deal you want to be in the band what instrument do you want to play uh i called up a kid that i admired through high school and, and and through the local scene greg to play bass and and my best friend at the time michael sanchez i was like hey man you want to play guitar and then it was just the four of us for a couple of years and yeah just kind of hit the ground running as soon as the ep came out we got on tour and to be honest haven't really stopped since <laughs> since that I guess it was March 2016, I think was our first tour, maybe. And, you know, we're touring months and months out of the year still to this day. So, How does it work uh, once you bring other people in? Do you sit them down and say, like, all right, here's how you play the songs? Or do you let them kind of figure out how it sounds? How do you work? So for the first EP, it certainly was like, hey, here's the homework. Like, this is kind of what I did. I definitely never was like a control freak. I always told them to embellish and do what they wanted. And then the first record was fail you again and that um started the collaboration between the four of us and that one we all recorded together um so yeah then it became a full-time project between the four of us but yeah i suppose i mean it was a very long time ago i kind of forget but i think the very beginning of the ep was hey it's gc you know kind of teaching it to them and then for fail you again it was all of us once you're writing together on the first record, is it difficult at all now that there's other people involved in your writing together? Um, to be fair, I would use the opposite word. It was uh, it made it easier for me. I think the songs became better. I think the songs came together faster. I think it was more fun for me. I think I do demo all the songs myself. It's kind of from my brain, but I think I work best in a collaborative way. I think I can only take it so far, and I need the rest of the guys to uh, kind of finish the photo, finish the picture. So, uh, no, I don't think it's difficult. I actually think it makes the process easier. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, like I'm in a band now where 
uh, one of my bands now, I just play guitar. So it's up to me to come up with all of the guitar, basically. And that's hard. It is hard, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I suck at bridges. I don't know why. I can't write a bridge to save my life. Mm, the bridge is a tricky thing. So once the band gets rolling, we're on Pure Noise. Do you get out there and start touring right away? Right away, yeah. Uh, one of the first full-length tours we actually do is called the Pure Noise Tour. And it was all Pure Noise bands. And I think that was April, May of 2016. And Oh, yeah. Very exciting. You know, I've been on tour, like I said, in other bands, but it was very exciting to kind of be out there with my own music and my best friends. And, you know, it was a very coming of age. It felt very exciting at the time. Was it scary at all? I mean, this is your first band. You're fronting, you're singing, you're out there performing. Was that nerve wracking at all? It certainly was. You know, the Internet is very unforgiving. A lot of comments, a lot of nasty things people said in the beginning, you know, still to this day. Uh, it's easy to focus on the negatives and not the positives sometimes, especially when we first started. I was definitely in my own head. It was very, um, you know, it was a very insecure time in my life. Like, I didn't know how to be the front man. I didn't know how to talk to people. So, yeah, it was definitely a challenge. Um, but like with the first recording, very happy that I did it. Very happy that, you know, I put myself out there and I've reaped a lot of the benefits of the hard work of getting over certain insecurities. And now... I think I'm at such a good place with it. I can just kind of fully enjoy it. I can fully uh, accept the positives and and kind of wean out the negatives. What were people's criticisms? Was it of you and your voice? Exactly. That seems, uh, well, yeah, the internet's going to internet, right? (laughs) You you said it best, brother. (laughs) You're telling me that you still get negative comments online? Of course. Oh, yeah, all the time, man. Like what? Uh, yeah, comments about my voice, comments about the songs in general. I mean, oh, the list goes on and on. The artwork, the song titles, the lyrics, the live show. Oh, yeah, man. It's, it's, uh, I think it's the internet. Well, internet, I think it's a part of the game. I, I, I also, in a positive way, think that if nobody was saying anything, you're probably not doing it right. Exactly. Exactly. That's, you know, I told myself that exact thing yesterday. I posted an episode of this show and a bunch of people kept focusing on this one thing, and I was getting upset. And then I was like, wait, they care. Yeah. What if they were saying nothing? Right. At least they're focusing on something that you've created. It's, uh, you know, to me now, it's an honor to just come up on somebody's radar at all. So There you go. All right. So we're playing. We're out there touring. Uh, we're building this thing, right? Yep, yep. We've got the debut record out, the LP. Things must be picking up more, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it all starts to happen. You know, we start getting our first uh, European tour. We uh, start getting more, you know, listeners on social media and all things. And yeah, like I said, it hit the ground running and it really hasn't stopped yet. You know, obviously years after that, COVID happened and everybody kind of slowed down. But for 2016, 17, 18, and 19, it was tour, 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 and um, records, records, records. Yeah. When did you do your first European tour? I think it was actually also in 2016. We went over with Boston Manor, also a pure noise band, and we only had five songs out. We only had Death Deserves a Name out, the EP. And I remember we were in the airport in JFK laughing to ourselves like, this is insane. We're going to play <laughs> shows in different country. And we got 15 minutes of music. No, I think it's less, like about 12 minutes of music out. You know, it was, it was fast, man. It was, it was a lot of, 
you know, I felt like we had a lot of catching up to do because we were just kind of thrown into the machine right away. You know what? You give me hope because uh, one of the bands I'm starting now, we want to get to like 20 minutes of material before we play a show. Mm. You had much less than that and you're touring Europe. That's right. That's right. We had five songs out in the world and yeah, we were playing shows in Belgium and Germany. Yeah, big time, man. Is your mind, I mean, your, everybody's mind must have been blown. Like I said, me and Greg, our bass player, yeah, we were looking at each other in the airport like, we're really going over there to do this? Like, we're really doing this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You wanted to make a career out of music, right? Oh, yeah, man. That's been the goal since I was a kid, for sure. So I've just got to feel extra good that you took the initiative to make this music, to get it recorded, and now all of this stuff is just happening, just like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I feel like I've earned my stripes a little bit. I played in bands my whole life and, you know, I didn't, I, I don't think I was completely thrown into the idea of doing a band or touring, but I certainly didn't think I would be in the front. I certainly wouldn't think it would be my songs that would get me there, but Can't Swim, yeah, kind of just started out of nowhere and that's how it happened. How did you do during COVID? Did you have to cancel a tour or get off the road any or anything like that? We didn't have to cancel a tour uh, while we were on it, but yeah, we had to cancel a few tours that we had lined up for, I guess, what would that have been, like April, May? We were supposed to go yep. uh, out with Bayside, Census Fail, and Hawthorne Heights. I think it was in May, and that whole tour got canceled. And then, yeah, kind of just laid low, and we were kind of recording remotely. We put out two EPs during that time just to kind of keep ourselves busy. Uh, and then the first tour back was with Silverstein, I think, which was I guess, about a year and a half ago, two years ago. Yeah. Did that whole, did that uh, Bayside tour ever get rescheduled? I believe it did, but we were on another tour, and I don't remember the exact re the you know the new lineup they had, but I do believe they uh, did do the shows eventually. Yeah. Bummer, right? Yeah, I was. I love all those bands. Luckily, we did get to go on tour with Census Fail a couple months ago, so that was nice. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, the whole thing was a bummer. I was very excited, but, you know, it was uh, more important things to kind of take take caution in at that time. So, you know, we were happy to kind of just sit it out and wait for it all to get better. How did you fare personally during the whole thing? Do you have to make any changes or did you just focus on music? Yeah, like I said, I, I definitely got into writing mode. Actually, to be honest, I think I wrote more music during that time than I ever have in my life. I, like I said, we released two EPs, but we also recorded change of plans during that time. And, you know, so I was writing for all three of those releases in, in that time period. So, you know, I, I definitely love touring. I, I love meeting people on tour and, and being out there, but I definitely think I, I had a lot of personal close friends that definitely took the time way worse than I had. I didn't really, uh, mine the the time off I was able to focus on myself and my personal relationships and write a lot of music so yeah a trying a trying time for a lot of people but I, I I definitely did okay yeah it's interesting how everybody handles it differently for me things didn't really change because I work from home anyway so you know there's that and then in terms of musicians I don't know I know people who didn't pick up a guitar the whole time you you just continued writing yeah yeah I mean I can definitely understand why people were very you know, unmotivated or just kind of in a, in a, in a tricky place. But yeah, I, I, it, was, uh, it wasn't too bad on me. So the band just put out an excellent record last month, this year. That's right. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Yes. Now, now, Chris, my favorite thing happened mm. when I heard this record. Here's what happened. 
I listened to it and I got very fixated on the song Me Versus Me Versus All Y'all. Mm. And I listened to it like 10 times in a row. Wow. That, that's what happens. I get fixated on one song and then I won't listen to the rest of the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then I did listen to the rest of the record. And I really love it. Thanks, man. Thank you very much. You know that hit you get, like when you you discover a new band and it just really grabs you. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, I'm best feeling in the world for sure. So I'm glad that happened. It's the best. So let's talk about this record. Yeah, man. When did you start recording it? When or no? no let's go back further. When did you start writing it? So I'm always demoing. Like I, I was even demoing earlier today. I'm a very laptop kind of nerd and i always try to uh at least spend a little bit of time every week or so even when i'm on tour just to kind of keep the juices flowing so some of those songs are actually a couple years uh the um, what is it called i don't even remember oh even my anger has issues was a demo i had years ago and then me versus me was like a brand oh nowhere ohio it's all like it's all been a, a collaboration of, of of the last couple of years of writing but I would say right after change of plans, right after COVID kind of calmed down, I, I started writing the ideas for Thanks But No Thanks, and we recorded it in the summer. We recorded it ourselves, kind of like a return to form. Danny recorded everything again. Uh, we did it in his studio in Brooklyn, and that was in July. I think we recorded it all in July, yeah. And he basically mixed it, um, and by the time – Mid-August, I think. Late August turned around. It was uh, completely done. Wow, so you recorded it yourselves. That's right. Yes, sir. Danny must be uh, a master at his craft because, you know, it's a. It, when I hear recorded it ourselves, I'm like, uh, okay, this is either going to be really bad or really good. Yeah. But uh, to, to everybody listening, I can assure you, very good. Thanks, man. Oh, yeah, Danny is a very talented man. I am very lucky to have met him. Um and like I said, that was the first records um, kind of way. We did Death Deserves a Name that way. We did Fail You Again that way. I mean, basically did This Two Won't Pass that way as well. Um, so, yeah, we wanted to kind of just go back to our roots and kind of just record something, make a record that we uh, felt like was completely our own. And we all loved how Thanks But No Thanks came out. So I'm, uh, I'm glad we went down that road again. How's the response been so far? People digging it? Yeah, man. It's been awesome. Um, Free Throw and Can't Swim just did a full U.S. tour. I got back from it a week ago, and we were playing four or five songs off the new record. And, yeah, the response was great. People knew the words. People really were receptive to the new stuff. So couldn't uh, couldn't ask for more. How was that tour overall? Dude, it was amazing. Uh, a ton of the shows got sold out. We've been friends with Free Throw for years and years, so it was very, very awesome to kind of uh, do a full U.S. tour with them, and yeah, like even what I just said, I, I couldn't, I couldn't ask for more. We were, we were actually very blown away. We, you know, we were very uh, positive and excited about how the tour would do, but I think Free Throw and Can't Swim didn't think it would do as well as it did. So we were, both parties were very, very happy with the turnouts. How are shows these days? You know, like um, it, it seems like there's just a more positive vibe overall in terms of uh, the people there. There's, you know, when I was coming up, there was a lot of, I was going to a lot of hardcore shows, but there was a lot more uh, gang activity, a lot more segregation in terms of, uh, I don't know, we don't listen to the same thing. So we don't talk to these people and uh, a lot more fighting, a lot more nonsense. But when I go to shows now, I don't know if it's just because I'm older or what, but it seems like everybody gets along. Everybody's there to just see the music and vibe. Everything's good. What are, what are your impressions? 
Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. I think obviously sometimes maybe it's genre specific. You know, Can't Swim is not a very violent or aggressive band. I'm sure that stuff still somewhat exists, but I do think maybe due to the drop of popularity of rock and roll music, um, I think people are just uh, excited to have any type of, you know, rock uh, adjacent stuff going on. And I think maybe genre walls are kind of getting broken down more and more because you know, I think if you were too specific in your interests, you would have nothing to go to. You would have no shows to go to. So I think younger kids now are just excited to be in part of the scene, a part of the community. But yeah, no, I, I agree, man. I think Can't Swim has been shown so much love uh, from a lot of different kinds of bands. Like, you know, we've been on tour with heavy metal, deathcore, I Prevail kind of bands. And then, you know, we've done light, quiet, poppy stuff as well. So I think, um, yeah, like I said, I think the genre walls are being knocked down. I think people are just excited to have live music back and be a part of something, something to go do on a Friday night, you know? Exactly. I would, yeah, I would like to see more mixed bills in the future. You know, I want to go to a can't swim knocked loose show one day. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I see the t-shirts that the kids are coming to the shows with, you know, they're all genre, you know, varies very deeply. So I think, uh, something like that is Certainly in the works, certainly possibilities. What kind of stuff do you write about? I mean, looking at your song titles, we could we could imagine many things. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the lyrics have always been completely from myself. Like I said, the music is collaborative, but uh, I've always been the narrator. I've always written the, the narratives of how the songs go and what they're about. Uh, yeah, I don't know. All very personal stuff. Uh, relationships I've had with my friends, my family, um, my thoughts about the world politically, my thoughts about, you know, I don't know, depression and how the, how the life of Chris has, has kind of come to be in the last 30 something years. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think there hasn't been an overall theme. It's not like rage against the machine. It's not all political. It's not all this, not all that, but I think they're all just, um, yeah, just kind of what I've been going through throughout my life. And I make them into songs when I feel like they uh, would be relatable in some, in some regard. And yeah, don't, I don't, I don't like to overthink it too much. I, I let it try to just come naturally and whatever the, the melodies and the music kind of make me feel, I try to just write it catered to that. Do you get nervous writing about uh, political stuff at all? Or is it just written in a way that it's not like, Hey, this is exactly what it's about. Um, I guess it depends on how, closely you read but no i don't i don't think it's i don't i'm not worrisome about it i think that's one of the most powerful things you can do with art and do with music is is kind of um maybe make somebody kind of turn their head a little bit and maybe open their eyes to a different perspective you know it's a challenge it's hard to uh kind of articulate some of those things but uh, no, I, I don't, I'm not worried about it. I'm curious because someone listened to one of my older podcasts and this was a, uh, this was during the last uh, presidential election mm. and he called us commies. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> but I actually took that as a compliment. Okay. Hell yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. He was like, yeah, I liked it except the commie ending. Oh, I see. I was like, all right, I guess we're doing something right. Hey man, at least somebody's commenting something, right? <laughs> How do you uh, how do you decide what a song's going to be about? How do you how do you match the lyrics to the actual song? Yeah, like I said, you know, I think it's just kind of the vibe of the music, kind of the vibe of the track. I'm not going to really write something aggressive to a slower can't swim song, and vice versa. 
um, you know, topics in my mind come up that I do want to write about. And, um, you know, sometimes I have a couple of options on a record to kind of pick whatever musical song I think fits it the best. But yeah, man, it's kind of different every time. I don't really have much of a formula. Just kind of take it as it comes. Talk about the dynamics in the band. Is there a roadblock we hit often that we have to work through or uh, how does it all work out? Artistically and creatively, no. I think we all get along very, very well. We're all trying to accomplish the same goals. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I can't really tell you many, many, uh, any forks in the road. It doesn't really happen. Um, like I said, I, I bring an idea to the table and the guys make it better. And that's how the song comes to be. So that is the process. So what's the plan for the rest of this year? Now we know we've got another tour picking up in May, correct? That's right. Yeah. I drive out to California this week and we start a tour with this band called the Amity Affliction and Omerta in San Diego on May 10th. And the tour spans about two weeks. It goes from San Diego and it ends in Orlando, Florida. Uh, yeah, that is May. And then in the end of June, we go to Europe and play some shows throughout the UK with a band called Microwave. And right now, that is all that has been announced. But there's more coming, of course. We are trying to stay busy, my friend, like we always are. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you're busy with music all the time. Is that all you do? Is there anything else that you're interested in? <laughs> uh, I have some other hobbies, yeah. Uh, Let's talk about those. Okay. Um, so my lady uh, got me into riding a motorcycle. So Paige and I uh, try to do some motorcycle trips every every couple months. We did the Grand Canyon recently. Um, we're trying to do some dirt biking in San Diego before this next Amity Affliction Tour. Uh, what else? That's a good question, man. I'm a, I'm a pretty simple guy. I just... Uh, before we delve more into that, motorcycle riding near the Grand Canyon, that sounds scary. Yeah, it, it was. I mean, I didn't get too close to the edge, but we, we did go up to uh, the Grand Canyon. Um, yeah, we did a crazy. Yeah, we've, we've done some crazy ones, man. We've gone all through Canada. We've been to Vancouver, Toronto. We've been to Orlando. We've been to Key West. Like, we've covered all the corners on those two wheel death machines, but it's been a lot of fun. Have you ever had any kind of accident? Um, I have. I uh, dropped it in Portland, Oregon in a snowstorm, but I was completely unscathed. I, I, I got out uh, completely fine. And Paige uh, slipped off of a highway exit in the Austin, Texas area because it started raining. The bike definitely suffered on that one, but Paige was completely fine. Uh, knock on wood, it has been more or less a pretty safe couple of years of riding. Thank goodness. Yeah, that, that's what scares me about motorcycle riding is that everyone I know has had some sort of accident. So it's just inevitable that it's going to happen at some point, I suppose. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. It's a dangerous thing. Um, but this is what we do as humans to excite ourselves, I suppose. <laughs> That's right. And now if you have a tour coming up, will you purposefully not ride the motorcycle or will you just go ahead and do what you're going to do? I like to uh, always give myself the advice that, you know, negative and bad things can happen, but they won't. And I have uh, many a plans to ride a motorcycle before this next tour. 
and it's going to be all good. There you go. That's what we got to do. Yeah. By the way, the Grand Canyon, I'm imagining it like some kind of, uh, I don't know, more controlled state park, but I went there and you you can literally like walk up to a cliff and just look down and it's really far down. It's, it's wild. Oh, yeah. Um, Paige, uh, like I mentioned her earlier, is like a Grand Canyon master. She has been there like 15 times in her life and she's actually hiked the entire duration of it. She went all the way down and all the way up. It took her like 16 hours or something. No. I swear to God. Yeah, crazy stuff. Man, when I went, I went for like 30 minutes because I was there by myself, you know? Nice, nice. I just got a couple pictures and I was like, all right, I saw it. It is impressive though. It really is. Yeah, it's quite breathtaking. Actually, the last time we were there, we took like a little motor, uh, I'm sorry, a little helicopter uh, tour around it and it was it was amazing. All right, so we've got motorcycle riding. What else? What else? I'm trying I'm trying to get to the essence of you, Chris. I need oh, to man. know more. I mean, I think you're making me realize I'm not very a multifaceted person. I like uh, touring. I like playing music. I like drinking coffee, riding a motorcycle. Um, damn, put me on the spot, my friend. I ain't got much else. Like, think about it. It's Monday night, ten o'clock. Right, we can't write any more music because the neighbors will get upset. <laughs> we can't ride a motorcycle because it's too late. Like, if you're sitting at home, what are you going to do? So I am a, a self-proclaimed. Uh, I I don't watch TV or movies. I'm just not one of those guys. I have no interest in it. So ten o'clock looks very boring in uh, Chris Porto's life. Maybe I'm reading a book. Maybe I'm drinking a decaf tea, and I'm probably gawking and staring at my beautiful wife. Uh, yeah, I, I, simple man. I'm a simple guy. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Have you watched any of the prestige shows, you know, Sopranos, The Wire, any of that? So I, uh, I haven't watched the newer ones. I don't know what Breaking Bad or Zombie or what is it, Walking Dead, but I have watched The Sopranos, not fully in its entirety, but I am from New Jersey and my uh, family is certainly uh, Italian-American, so that struck my interest years ago when it first came out. Uh, I haven't watched Stranger Things, I haven't watched any of that, but I am familiar with Tony Soprano. I know his situation, yes. All right, that's good. That We just had to make sure. Okay, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I that used to be all I did was watch stuff because, I, well, look, I'm going to be honest with you, Chris. My life used to be a mess. I'm talking uh, heavy drug use, a lot of isolation. Mm. So I would just watch stuff and sit inside. Sure. But once once I cleaned up my life and, you know, reconnected with my interests and started doing other stuff, I I watch much less stuff. I like that. I like that. They uh Yeah. Cuz your life is now filled with entertainment. You don't have to watch somebody else do it, maybe. You know what? That's a great way to look at it. I like that. Yeah. I'm going to use that. You should. I'm glad you're. <laughs> I'm glad you're doing better, my friend. I'm sorry you had some uh, dark times there. Oh, it's okay. It, it made me who I am today. I like that attitude. What about you, Chris? Have you ever had any dark times to work through? Or yeah, I mean, you sound pretty solid to me. But oh, <laughs> who knows? Maybe maybe there's something about you that people don't know. I mean, I've certainly um, experienced my fair share of hardships. Luckily, I've always uh, stayed away from that stuff, man. I never drank, actually, in my life. I never had a sip. I've never taken a drug. I've always uh, kind of just looked the other way at that stuff. But um, sure, man, I've lost family members. I've, uh, I've been depressed. I've been sad. You know, I'm 34 years old. It can't be all uh, unicorns and rainbows. But um, 
I, like I said earlier, I feel very privileged. I feel very blessed to have the life I live. And uh, not every day is easy, but it certainly could be worse. And I'm happy to be here. So you've never drank alcohol ever? Not a sip, my friend. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> I, uh, I really respect that because, well, listen, there's people out there who can moderate, obviously. And it's not a, it's not a big deal. But to just make the choice to not even do it, how, how do you decide that? Well, obviously, it was a decision I made years and years ago. It just never really made sense to me and never catered to my interest. Um, it really wasn't anything too drastic. My parents weren't addicts or anything like that. It was just kind of like, you know, I never have jump, jumped out of an airplane. I've also never played the saxophone. I just never found interest in, in, in getting uh, drunk or intoxicated in any way. And still now at 34, still just doesn't appeal to me. I don't find that I need to do it. I don't find like I want to do it. And I just never gave it a shot, never tried it. And um, I don't regret uh, not trying it. I think I've uh, lived a happy life without it. And I don't, I don't see why I would ever change. So, you know, it's just been this way for a long time now. I love that. You know, I don't get too fixated on the past because the past is the past and you can't change it. But I like the idea of me having made that choice somehow in the past, you know, because I could have been focused on, I don't know, music, whatever I'm doing now. But listen, uh, I didn't have the tools to deal with it at the time. But I love that you have made this decision and are sticking with it. And let me tell you, Chris, straight up, you're not missing anything. It's a waste of time. Hey, man. Yeah, I've been I've been told that before. And I, yeah, I like how you put that, man, just because you were not at that part of the, your journey at that young of an age doesn't mean anything. You know, I'm glad that you, uh, you have a better relationship with it now. Thank you. What about when you're a kid, Chris? Like, are you focused at that young age like you are now? What are you doing? Are you playing in bands? Are you making plans to do music? Tell us about it. Yeah, man. I mean, I think I was an awkward kid. I was a shy kid. And then when I started playing drums around 12 or 13, definitely gave me a lot of confidence. It gave me an interest. It gave me a passion. Uh, I was very focused on playing the drums. Yeah, I, I would practice every day. I would take lessons. I would buy uh, VHS tapes from the local music store to learn stuff and uh, be watching YouTube. Yeah, I bought books. It, it was something that gave me a lot of happiness. I, I love to watch the progression, and I enjoyed every minute of it. And it's funny enough, now I don't play drums at all. But I definitely think it's um, it gave me a lot of life values that – I still stick with today, like working hard and being consistent and, and, and enjoying and, and enjoying what you do. You know, I think a lot of people work hard and a lot of people put a lot of time into careers that maybe they don't particularly enjoy. And I've took an oath to myself, even at a young age to, uh, work hard and, and be efficient, but to do it, uh, on a subject that I, I find a lot of interest in and music has always been that for me. And obviously sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes you think you suck. Sometimes you think you drop the ball and, and you do. I sucked at a lot of things, but it feels, um, it feels very good to, to see the progression in yourself. And still to this day, man, I think, uh, you know, I think can swim is writing better songs every time we put records out and they're not the best songs. They're not, uh, you know, they're not my top. I, you know, yeah, it's not like sports. It's not like we scored the most points, but it's a, it's a good feeling to, to see um, the progression in your art, and I definitely think music has done that for me. Well, I think they're the best songs, Chris. So there you go. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. This This latest record, I'm telling you, everybody, you got to listen to this. Well, you will, have he you will have heard the music embedded in the show, but I'm telling you, thanks but no thanks.
Everyone's got to listen to it. I hope so. <laughs> I'm going to be checking those Spotify uh, play counts to make sure they did. Yes, yes. I like that. <laughs> No, but uh, what what you're saying is uh, good advice, I think, for anybody looking to get involved in anything, especially creative endeavors. You just have to try a bunch of different things because I was in bands when I was younger. I've tried DJing. I've tried stand-up comedy. I've tried acting. And I landed on, well, doing this podcast, one. And two, I'm in bands again, which is great because I thought that part of my, my life was over. But you just have to try a bunch of different things and see what you enjoy, you know? And I guess what people react to, like that shouldn't be the only reason you're doing something at all. But, you know, the the intersection of what people seem to be reacting to and what you enjoy the most and, and just trying different things to see what hits. Totally. I 100% agree. Is there other stuff you tried besides music? Have you ever done stand-up comedy, Chris? I haven't. I haven't. Um, Don't do it. It's horrible. Yeah, I have a buddy, one of my best friends back home, uh, a very, very talented comedian, a hardworking kid, and uh, and a f- funny, funny dude. Um, you know, he enjoys it, but yeah, he has told me the trials and tribulations, the pros and the cons. Very difficult thing to get into. Similar to music, similar to any type of art form, you know. But yeah, no, I don't, I don't think stand-up comedy is in my near future. But who knows, man? Who knows? <laughs> Anything could happen. Anything could happen. We know that you have Can't Swim going on right now. We know that Can't Swim is doing very well. Have you ever thought of doing anything else musically, like maybe a Chris Laporto solo album or maybe a free jazz side project or something? I am a big jazz fan. I listen to jazz all day long, um, but not not necessarily. I, I wouldn't uh, completely throw it out the window. I've always said, I mean, I've had some experience with helping other people, like producing or singing on somebody else's songs or being collaborative with, you know, collaborative with somebody other than the members of Can't Swim. Can't Swim, as you said earlier, is very, very busy. We have a lot of stuff going on, which is amazing. This is great. Um, but who knows? Maybe the, the tables will turn and I'll be producing records. I'll be writing for other people. I don't know. Like I uh, got thrown for a loop with Can't Swim. I never thought I'd be the singer. So I have no idea where the next five years uh, is going to take me. Obviously, I would hope that it, it stays in the music uh, universe, but who knows, man? I could be selling couches in six months. I, I do not know. Just ha- <laughs> happy to be waking up, happy to be in a good place. You know, that's, I'm, I'm an easy to please kind of guy. I like that. Yeah, you just got to live in the moment. We've got the band is doing great. We've got an excellent new record out. There's no shortage of tour offers and places to go to tour, correct? Oh, man, 100%. We're go, go, go. So there you go. And the, I, I would imagine. To uh, a high degree, you have your choice of what you want to do, right? It, you probably don't have to go knocking down doors to uh, get on tours, correct? Certainly not. Certainly not. We are very honored to uh, be working with some 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 talented booking agents and, and some dear friends of mine now um, that give our band a lot of opportunity that we certainly couldn't do ourselves. So it's uh, I'm very, very thankful. Do you like Dexter Gordon? Uh, Dexter Gordon. Is that the guy from the show? No, no, no. I don't know who that That's is. That's uh, the jazz artist. Oh, no, I'm not familiar. Check him out. I think, I don't know if I'm misremembering this. I think he was in a movie and won an Oscar back in the day. Okay, I like that. I like that. He's uh, he's really good. I heard him recommended from uh, Iggy Pop, actually. Oh, cool. 
Nice. Are you a, are you a jazz kind of guy? Uh, I like it, but I don't have jazz records. I don't put it on. You know, uh, there, when I, when I used to have a car, I used to live outside of Philadelphia, right, and in Philadelphia. So I had a car. I didn't want to listen to top forty rock radio. But there was this small station that would play jazz and good jazz, all the classics. It's awesome. So I listened to that, and that's how I kind of got into it. That's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. Something, something later in my life, last couple of years, but something I've just been trying to uh, make time for. Um, but yeah, yeah, jazz is boring for old people like myself. So. <laughs> all right, we're going to play a game, and uh, you tell me if I'm right or wrong. Okay. Now, based on this conversation with you, yes, Chris... I'm I'm guessing that you don't listen to a lot of music that sounds like your band <laughs> on your own time. Am I right or am I wrong? I would say you're absolutely right. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> what kind of stuff? All right, what kind of stuff are you listening to? Like if I if I looked through your 2023 Spotify playlist right now, what would I see? Uh, I'm a big uh, hip hop rap guy. I think my most played was Drake this year. Uh, insanely enough. Uh, like I said, I'm a jazz kind of guy. I really like that guy, Cannonball Adderley. He's like an old dude from the 50s, 60s. I'm always putting him on, especially when I'm driving. Kind of just calms me down. Uh, newer stuff, I definitely am a sucker for this uh, boy genius. You know, this kind of super group with uh, what's that woman's name, Lucy and uh, Phoebe Bridgers. Uh, I've been listening to those songs constantly. Man, put me on the spot. I don't know what that spotify rap would be like but no i I don't believe there would be many related can't swim artists on there potentially (laughs) so how does that happen does your taste just change over the last six or seven years or so uh i think so i i also think there's just some things that are not in my wheelhouse you know i i don't think i confront a band that sounds like drake or that sounds like a jazz fusion artist or that sounds like a metalcore band you know there's so many types of genres and bands that i've loved throughout my life uh but i don't think that's the way i express myself musically um so you know i think i don't think it has to go hand in hand and i i think if you asked any artist if you asked you know, the members of Metallica, I can't fathom that they only listened to Pantera and Megadeth or, or, or whatever it was. So, yeah, in fact, I would guess they don't at all yeah, these days. Yeah, probably not. probably not. Yeah. No, that makes sense. You know, when I'm younger, I would who I wanted to sound like whoever my favorite band was. Right. So if I'm starting a band when I'm 20 years old, I want to sound exactly like Texas is the reason. Done. Simple. But I'm 41 years old now. So I, I take a much different approach to writing. I don't even think about bands I want to try to sound like so much anymore is like, who am I playing with? What is the sum of our influences? Well, let's bring all of our strengths to the table and see what comes up. I think that's the way you need to approach it. Yeah. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. So if you were going to write an album by yourself again, Chris, in 2023, what would it sound like? Maybe Drake? 2023, Chris puts out his solo project. Man. No, I think it would be less offensive, less uh, attention-grabbing. It would probably be pretty slow, jazz-influenced, and maybe, like, I'm not singing. I'm, like, kind of just doing some simple drums over some pianos and maybe some strings. Something that I can put on on a 12-hour drive, kind of just relax to. 
I love that. Yeah, no, that's great. That's uh, like an avant-garde type thing. I think that's the way to go. I think that's when uh, when you when you see I finally break and make a Chris solo project. That's probably what it's going to sound like. <laughs> I'm into that. Cool. Do you listen to any post rock? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, give me some. What's the band? Oh, like Explosions in the Sky, oh, Magwai, yeah. Caspian, oh, yeah. uh, Godspeed, all that stuff. Oh yeah, I uh, love Magwai. I loved another one from that that era. Uh, this will destroy you. Have you heard that? Yes. One? Yeah, yeah. They're incredible. Very. They're incredible. You know, I love that stuff because it's like it's like the modern jazz. I think. I agree. Or what? You can even throw. Um, Sugar Rose, or however you say that, something I, I used to love those yep. records. Love those records. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good stuff. Big time. All right, so let's recap. Now, Chris is in Can't Swim. In case you haven't heard the news, he is in the band. He fronts the band, and we've got a great new record out. Thanks, but no thanks, right? That is correct. Those are all of those facts are correct. Yes, the record is out on Pure Noise Records. It just came out last month. And people are already singing along to it live. Can you believe that? Can you believe I it? I can't. I can't either. I don't know how they, how they, they're, they're uh, hardworking fans. How did they learn the lyrics so quickly? I do not know. <laughs> yeah. You know, Chris, if, uh, if uh, instant messenger profiles were still a thing, you know what I would put in mind? What would you find? I would, I would write, throw your life away, pick it up on another day. Hey, how about that? That would be a good aim away message. I agree with you. <laughs> We need to bring it back. We we should. <laughs> All right. So there. Listen. The record's out. The band is great. Everybody, check it out. We can catch the band on. We've got some more U.S. tour dates coming up in May. Yes. Yes, that's correct. And to our friends in the U.K., you can see the band live in June. Yes. Yes, June and July. It's all happening. It's all happening, baby. It's all coming together. And we love it. Now, Chris, uh, why don't we leave the people with some words of wisdom? You know, it can be about music. It can be about bands. It can just be life advice in general. Lay it on us. Wow. Wow. I would say, so a lot of my youth was told, uh, I was told to never be told what to do. Never let anybody tell you that you're wrong. Never let anybody tell you that you should uh, do something differently or improve. I would say that was the worst advice I was ever given. I would say listen to your peers, listen to your teachers, listen to your bandmates. Whatever you do, you are not the best whatever. You are a mere student for for your entire life. You can always get better. You can always increase. You can always work harder. And I would say... uh, don't have too much pride, you know, enjoy the process and focus on the positives and uh, don't be a stubborn jerk. <laughs> <laughs> That's great advice, Chris. You know, yes, because uh, th- now the advice, don't listen to anybody, just listen to yourself. That advice can be taken the wrong way and you can become like a crazy egomaniac. Certainly. And we don't want that, but you have to pick and choose. Now, all right, first of all, remain teachable. Listen to what Chris is saying. Listen to your peers. You can learn a lot from people. You can learn a lot from working together with people. You know, I've I've gotten much better at my craft learning from people better than me. That's just the way it goes. That's number one. But number two, learn when not to listen to people, right? Because throughout my life, people have been like, oh, give up the music thing. Oh, this podcast thing is stupid. Oh, just get married. Oh, just do this. Oh, just do that. Now, I ignored all of that advice. And uh, I am happy that I did. So I think it's a perfect combination of remaining teachable and learning uh, what advice not to listen to. 
What do you think? I 100% agree. Uh, some people word it as focus on finding yourself a positive feedback loop. Some yes. A couple, of, a couple of choice characters in your life that you can trust and throw ideas back and forth and learn from each other. You can't beat the game every time as a solo mission. You sometimes need the help. And sometimes people will give you advice just to hurt you. Some people are giving advice because they love you and want you to uh, improve. And like you said, you need to learn which one is doing which way. And I think, uh, I think you're doing a great job. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Now, if you get, if you be, if you get to the level of like Prince, mm. then you can do whatever you want all the time That's and not right. listen to anybody. That is true. We are not there yet. I am certainly no Prince. Rest in peace, though. Poor guy. Yeah, rest in peace. Absolutely. Well, Chris, this has been a real pleasure. Uh, I love the band. I love the new record. I wish you and the band continued success. And I just want to say thank you for taking the time to come on the show. Likewise. Thanks for chatting, my friend. And there you have it, Chris Loporto. You know, great conversation, great guy. Uh, like I was telling Chris, this is my favorite thing when I just randomly discover a new band and really get hooked on their record. And that certainly happened with me and thanks, but no thanks. I mean, a great story. Great story. He self-records the first EP and just instantly gets signed to Pure Noise and it's off to the races. They've been going strong ever since. And I can't wait to hear more. So thank you so much, Chris. All right, Simon. Yes. Now it's time to talk about our favorite subject, ourselves. How are we doing? And Simon, I want to start with you because you've got a lot going on. Now, first of all, Drowning Man just played Decibel Metal and Beer Fest, yes? That is correct. In the wonderful city of my birth, Philadelphia, yes? Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that. Let's set the stage for us. Give give us the scoop. How was it? Uh, it was great. Uh, I'm glad that we got there a day early. It's been a minute since we've played a show that big. Um, so kind of getting a look at what we're uh, in for. Um, got to say that uh, we picked a pretty economical option for uh, a hotel. And uh, in return, there was an armed security guard it had an AR-15 and a Kevlar vest in the uh, the lobby, hiding behind a potted plant. Where was the hotel? Do you know what part um, of town? I, I, it, it was in uh, West Philadelphia, which I uh, hear is not yeah. a, a great place. Um, I mean, they did send Will Smith to Beverly Hills. It's, apparently, <laughs> it's, it's unsafe. Yeah, in Philly, there, there's uh, you know, there's rough parts of Philly in every part of Philly: west, north, south, and east. But you know what? Any city that's dangerous like that, awesome food. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you go to Pat's or Gino's or anything? No, we uh, we, on Saturday morning we went to uh, Matt Roy uh, does not believe in gas station coffee or Dunkin' Donuts. We went to a, a cool Colombian place. These just little hole in the wall kind of places. That's the best thing about a city like that. So how was the actual show? Um, the actual show itself was uh was great played really well um it was great to see uh to see ben from dillinger escape plan see him playing in suicidal tendencies i mean a, a band that i listened to in high school 
and he's playing with it. It was pretty, pretty nuts, pretty nuts. Um, I hadn't seen him in a while. Was great to have him there. Um, it, it means a lot when people that were kind of there with you back when the band was a thing, uh, saying, you know, it still holds up. And uh, yeah, it was it was great to see Ben. I love that. Yeah. Do you ever experience it where like you run into someone and they try to big time you? They're like they're like oh they, they kind of pretend they don't know you or they they act too cool. I hate that shit. Uh, Albert tried to do that to me. Albert, who was that? Albert from Decibel. Oh, really? It, yeah, it really hurt my feelings. Why would he do that? No, I love Albert. <laughs> uh, I, 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 things like it's like in the heat of battle. Like I don't really remember what I was saying between songs. I, I had this feeling that I was concerned that maybe uh, you would be there. And I know how good you are at heckling, so I, I my I, I had a notebook, and you weren't there. So at one point, I, I cursed Albert out from the stage. Uh, I don't remember why. How did he feel about that? He took it in good spirits. Um, the week before the show, there was a little bit of antagonism going on. Um, <laughs> and I, I, and, and I, I, at first, I was offended, but then I was like, "Oh, thank you for helping me get into character." Um, <laughs> it wouldn't be a drowning man show without a little, a little bit of that. I mean, come on. Uh, I do have to say if there's anything I can report about this show, I feel like we made musical history. The first band ever with a singer to chug Kiefer during a song. <laughs> Wait, what is that? Uh, a yogurt drink probiotics. Oh my I had God. A, <laughs> right before, uh, right before we, uh, I went back east. Um, I was having some tooth pain, and they put me on a round of antibiotics. So, you know, gut health, probiotics, you know, you got to watch out for that shit. Um, so my key for intake has been high. You've really come full circle. Like, who knows what you were chugging back in the old days, and now you're chugging. <laughs> At a metal in beer. So, like, and I'm on stage chugging probiotics. I, I think that, uh, Oh, I did discuss about uh, how I, I wouldn't be drinking any uh, malt beverages. Um, Is that weird that, you know, because all the bands get like a beer named after them. And I'm I'm glad Drowning Man went with uh, It Will End in Hops because that name is just great. Everyone, if you don't know, that's a reference to a Drowning Man song. Come on, get with it. But uh, is, it, is it weird at all? It's like, oh, here's this beer named after my band and I'll never drink it. Uh, it well... It was I. It was surreal to have to. I mean, we had to do it. I guess I don't got to do shit, but I mean, we did do it. <laughs> um, animated brewery. Uh, Pat from All Else Failed. Um, yep, another band. Uh, that was uh underrated in their time. Um, oh, big we're, time. We're talking about uh doing shows later in the year after we get this fucking record finished. Um. I think the last time I was on, I was like, oh, the, and the record's done. In our mind, it is because it's written. Now comes the part of where we actually record it. Ah, uh, yes, yes. We had been self-recording, and uh, the people that we've been playing it for were like, this needs to be recorded in a studio. So we are doing that. Oh, that's exciting. When's yeah. that going to happen? Um, that's going to happen in the next, uh, we're, we're nailing down dates. We just nailed down all the other stuff. Should I 
We are we, we're currently talking to uh, to Jay Moss. Ooh, iodine yes. has, has been great about hooking that up. Um, we feel really good about working with him. Um, and as at first, I didn't know if he would be the right person to do it. But the, you know, listening to some of the stuff he's done, he's done a diverse, pretty diverse uh, catalog of stuff. And uh, I think that uh, he's gonna he's gonna help us. Um, whatever way it comes out. No, he's really good. He's really good. He recorded the... Uh, Simon, did you hear the news? I joined uh, the Darling Fire. You did? Well, shit. No, that's great. Uh, that's the other... Uh, Casey has been talking about uh, for the fest this year, touring down to the fest and uh, with Darling Fire and potentially... I hope that happens. Can you imagine me and you on the road together? It would be a disaster. Not drinking and, yeah. Yeah. I want to see how good you are at heckling. No, see, I don't heckle anymore. That's the thing. God damn it. I, I just stand, like, I, I'm, you know, I've been clean and sober for a number of years now. So I just, I, I'm like the complete opposite of what I was. I stand in the back, like, far away from everybody and I just stand there. It's, you know, no more heckling. I bet I could get you there. Uh, you know what? If anybody could, you it would be you. Yeah. Well, it's it's all it's all fun and games. I mean, yeah, heckling is a uh, pretty lowbrow, but I mean, if it's good, <laughs> if it's good, what if I just heckle you and you heckle me? That I'd be okay with that. Like kind of a night to night competition. That's usually how it goes. I mean, I'm I'm ready. Yeah. But let's get the scoreboard going. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. Oh, that that's actually a really good idea. Now that, yes. But no, no I bring up uh, Darling Fire, not just to talk about myself, but Jay also recorded that record and he's really good. So uh, you're you're going to be in good hands. Yep, that's, uh, that was uh, a large part of the reason for uh, Casey recommending Jay. And, and hey, Jay wants to do it. Um, it's going to be fun. Yeah. And uh I think that the guys in the band, as much as they were looking forward to recording it ourselves and us being able to take that time, apparently we did some uh, extensive demos, <laughs> is what it turned out. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, you've got a Judgment Pig out too, your new band, yes? I, I, I'll, I'll say it right now. Things are on hold right now with Judgment Pig um, because Devin Malinowski my uh, video game mortal enemy will not face me uh and 1v1 and pokemon go and i'm i'm pretty upset about it why won't he he's a coward <laughs> wait he's is playing. this the call of duty guy we were talking about last time yeah um i, I it's been a year since i've played call of duty and i had gone to strictly casual gaming and the competition is so Hi, that uh, he actually downloaded and got really good at Pokemon Go. So, I mean, who wins that one? I mean, I can't lose that. He's playing Pokemon <laughs> Go, even though he didn't want to. By the way, I'm, I'm glad you're here because I want to. I, I stopped playing uh, Warzone 2, I don't like at all. I stopped playing it, and I don't care for Modern Warfare 2 uh, 2022 either. I've, I have stopped playing both. I play Warzone Caldera on stream sometimes still. That's Warzone 1 for everybody out there keeping track. But I've gone back to uh, just other games, Resident Evil. Uh, I'm back to playing Quake, you know, like some like some of the classics. Right. Um, anybody out there plays Pokemon Go, uh, add me at Get Wrecked Nerd. <laughs> 
no e in the nerd there you have it there you have what uh, simon you know we're we're winding down to the end here is there anything we didn't discuss that you want to cover or is there any encouraging words that you want to leave our audience with um yeah uh look forward to seeing more of us uh at the end of this uh later this year uh, later this summer we're going to be out playing shows after we get this record in the can. Also, Devin Malinowski is a coward. <laughs> there you go. We will wait for Devin to face Simon in Pokemon. And, and, and then maybe you'll hear more Judgment Pig songs. But until then, um, I'm not doing my homework. I'm not doing any of it until he faces me. <laughs> it's a standoff. Simon. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. It's always a pleasure to have you here. Anytime you're up for some uh, ridiculous conversation, I'm here. Anytime. Uh, all the time. All the time. All right. So listen, that's it for this week. We're out of time. I'm back next week. And we've got a big one next week. A big one. A real big one. So strap in. I'm not going to give you any hints. You're just going to have to wait and see who it is. So that's it. We're going to end the show. Now, it's hard for me to pick a favorite Drowning Man song from Busy Signal at the Suicide Hotline because there's so many, but I'm going to go with Condoning the Use of Inhalants, the record opener, because it just hits so hard. It just comes in so good. Uh, I mean, Simon, come on. Like, it doesn't get much better than that, does it? First song of the set. Oh, that is, see, you really know what you're doing, don't you? Yeah, but that, it, 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 it's a... Uh... One of the rare Drowning Man songs that has an intro for me. Well, we're going to end the show with condoning the use of inhalants, and I'm back next week with a new episode and a new guest. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and until next time. Mm -hmm.